navigate it. And so, guys, obviously, that's my, my journey. Um, I want to have a candid discussion today about this, okay? Um, I want to try to hopefully lead us well. Um, it's very emotional discussion. Uh, so I'm going to ask you guys, if you can, let me, uh, let me share. I'm, I'm going to try to come at it differently. I, I've had a, a, a test run uh, with our, our MAC groups, and uh, I want to try and come at it differently and hopefully uh, uh, be an encouragement to you, but also um, make sure that I, I keep it real and be honest about where we are as believers. Okay, so just want to prepare our hearts for this discussion. I'm going to probably ask, maybe it would be a great miracle if I can finish well and toward the, toward the end have a little time for questions. I know all you guys are doubting that, but, um, but, uh, but God does miracles. Okay, I've seen people, the Bible says he's real, he risen people from the dead, so I can stop early, okay? All right, let me pray for us and then we're going to jump right in. Lord Jesus, um, we love you and we just pray that you would help us engage this topic uh, in a way that's honorable to you, that equips the saints, that encourages people who are struggling with same gender attraction, that educates us to learn how to be your people in your world. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would guide my words. Give me wisdom. Give me insight as I think through things. If you desire, Lord, give me the insight to change uh, where I'm going in a different place. Remind me of different examples. Lord, just do your work for your glory. We pray you would be exalted and the people of God would be encouraged uh, to live holy lives, to... Uh, to look at the culture and look at it redemptively. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Um, this discussion, and you know me, I, um, I usually go off, and I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to be careful here and just think through how to share this. And so I'm trying to navigate the framework behind it, not necessarily the content. Um, this discussion is very important. It's a paramount discussion, guys. Um, First of all, the reason why it's very important is because one of the, the how I started the discussion. We all have a lot of personal interests, if we're honest. There's a lot of personal friends that we have who are gay. There's people we know who are who struggle with this arena. And you know what? To be honest, um, if I was to say, "Hey, so who in this room is struggling with same gender attraction?" I don't know how many of you raise your hand. Maybe not, no no one will raise their hand in this room. But the reality the reality is is that uh, the statistics show that maybe 10 percent right of individuals in uh, American for, for is probably at, uh, outwardly homosexual, okay? So my point is that uh, this is an issue that is more external than we perceive, all right? And, and, I, and, and the reason why that's important to even document is because um, the culture basically is evangelizing us. You hear me? The reason why we even saw as elders to say, man, we need to talk about this is because whether we know it or not, the culture is actually trying to evangelize us. And we're seeing that because we're seeing Christians that love Jesus kind of taking the cues of the culture. And so it's very important for you and us to pause and go, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, <laughs> what is God saying here so that we don't become evangelized by the culture, but we evangelize the culture? Okay, guys? Um, my point in that is that I think we need to all be honest that there is clearly a gay agenda in our country. Okay? Um, what I mean by that is uh, this is this is a worldview issue. Why this is paramount? Because it's a worldview issue. And, and the reason why it's a worldview issue is because many issues are, but it's one of those issues, even I was talking to uh, Roger, it's one of those issues that so blatantly and clearly ties itself to identity. Right? Now, many things we talk about actually do that too, but this one is just right there. 
And so that's why even in our world today, to talk about a person, to, to disagree with this issue, the reason why that's, so, that's, such a, that's, that's such a hot spot and it gets you in trouble is because to talk about a disagreement in the area of this issue of attraction and gay and homosexuality is to say something about that person. Or that's the perception. And so we Christians get very misunderstood because we are trying to be biblical about it. And we're trying to say, this is not, this is not talking about you as a person, right? Just like the rest of our sins. But we're talking about the issue of holiness. And so we have to figure out how to have that conversation where we're at some level we learn how to bifurcate the two. Or we're going to always be in big trouble as we try to learn how to care for people who are homosexual. So the culture is basically evangelizing. We need to deal with this issue. I mean, it's been turned up big time. I mean, think about how, okay, we're talking 10% who are externally homosexual or, or so. And you talk about a small group of population and you talk about a very, a very, um, what would you say, embryonic movement. I mean, for heaven's sake, the, the Society for Human Rights in Chicago became the country's earliest known gay rights organization only in 1924. Okay. Um, in 1962, Illinois became the first state in the U.S. to decriminalize homosexual acts between consenting adults in private. You hear that? Only in 1962 was it, was it not, did it not become criminal to even participate in this journey. Now, I'm giving you these facts because I want you to I also give you these facts because I want you to understand our brothers and sisters who are homosexual and understand almost like their cultural lens as much as I can share it, like what they're what they're dealing with so that we can care for them well. So we're talking about a very young movement, right? 1960s. I mean, you know, the guy 1924 is when, you know, we had a an organization, but 1960s were when people were like, okay, and that was one state. That wasn't all 50 states. Um, you go from that to 2000, where Vermont, you have the first basically legal union of merit, you know, legal union. Um, but they still couldn't even call it in 2000 a marriage, right? To today, you know, you talk about, uh, July, uh, was it June 26, where you have... Um, the, the verdict that says, hey, uh, this is marriage needs to be celebrated uh, in all 50 states. Um, the, SCOTA, the SCOTA decision, right? The SCOTA decision. And then even in July, you have, man, you've seen the Boy Scouts are getting hammered for years, for years, for not having, for being serious about not having uh, gays as Boy Scout leaders. And, and now they've all, they've ended their band on adult leaders. I'm pausing to say, this, we as Christians have to talk about this. Because think about that. In less than 100 years, you talk about a little movement. I mean, the civil, the, 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 race, the civil rights movement hasn't done that much. <laughs> Do you understand? <laughs> I mean, it's serious, right? If you're talking in less than 100 years, you're to the point now where you went from there to now, you watch t- you, it's, it's hard to watch TV without it being normal. And for my kids to see... You know, two moms kissing on ABC. Okay? Now, my point as Christians, we have, we have to not see us having that discussion as being um, bigoted or anything like that. But the reality is that's, that's how serious this discussion is. So we need to have it so we can learn how 
uh, to basically not be evangelized by the culture because the culture is saying we want to clearly make this um, okay. So let me talk about the historical structure for a moment. Um, And I'm talking about the historical structure because this is very important for us to understand in my mind as we think of our our brothers and sisters and people who are homosexual or struggling with same-gender attraction, uh, basically what's being felt. You you think about in history, in in, in near-ancient history, uh, it's a myth to think that homosexuality kind of begun in the 1800s, something like that. It's always been around. Okay, uh, the reason why it's always been around is because of decreation and the fall. Now, what I want to propose to you is this, and I'm trying to paint a picture for you. So stay with me as hard as much as you can. So you look at the Bible and the Bible talks about uh, Romans one. Uh, it talks about the issue of the sin, the sin picture. And it says things such as um, in verse 27 of Romans chapter one. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Right? Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves a due penalty for their error. And since they did not see it fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do whatever, uh, what ought not to be done. But then he goes on and says, they were filled with manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, envy, murder, strife, deceit, you name it. Right? So you got all these different sins. What I, what, what's beautiful about that is that he's talking about the decreation of man, and he clearly talks about this reality of the unnatural reality of, of same-sex uh, intercourse. But in the midst of that, he's also talking about a lot of other areas uh, that really model our brokenness. When I couple that and I think of how the Bible talks about in Romans 8... Uh, that the creation groans and we groan with it because we're broken, what you begin to realize is that the world, the world is, is super broken. And that every person stars out marred and, and messed up, right, in many different ways, okay? It can be physical ailments. It can be emotional ailments. It can be certain postures and things that you desire that are totally evil and sinful, but what we know because of the fall, because of us sinning, is that all of us have this gravitation to be decreative. That is to kind of destroy ourselves and to kind of be our own guys and to fall prey to our own desires. Okay? Is that fair? So that's, that's where we are. Now, that's the reality of, 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 of the world. In history, homosexuality was seen as um, debauchery and seen as like in two frameworks, either really celebrated or in normal culture, it was seen as something that was, that was looked upon negatively, holistically, just talking about the culture in general, okay? What happens when you and I, as broken people, have sin in our life, there's a couple ways we can do with it, deal with it. When we realize that brokenness, so there's brokenness. So either you're a believer or unbeliever, you either, there's three things. You can either be depressed. So you see, you see your lack of, you see your brokenness, you see you don't stack up. And you can either be depressed and kind of implode. And that's what happens. People get depressed and we, and not just Christians, but even unbelievers, we, we see our broken state and we fall into like, woe is me. I'm nothing. Or 
we glory in it. We say, you know, it can be an overcompensation. We say, whoa, well, I'm messed up. Well, wait, no. Okay, versus being oppressed, I'm just going to dive right into it. Okay? Or we say, we propose another option, a redemptive option, where we say, wow, I'm broken. I'm messed up. Wow. But God loves me, and he pays for my mess upness, Right? And I can redemptively engage me being messed up, but trusting God. And the goal is not to not be messed up, but the goal is to enjoy Christ and be holy. So those are the three places that we can go, right? Now, I bring that up to say a person who is homosexuality, who's a homosexual, is born in the world. And I'm going back into ancient Eastern times. And the world is saying that there's something wrong with you. Okay? Again, you can go to some areas like Corinthians and some other places and, and you can glory in it. But for the most part, we would say the culture looked down on homosexuals. All right? And that's throughout culture. In fact, I mean, still today, even unbelievers. Unbelievers. This is not a Christian thing. I'm talking about unbelievers did. Okay? For heaven's sake, when we passed SCOTUS, uh, Sarah and I was talking about how didn't ISIS, like, throw somebody off the... Of, like, didn't they kill some gay guy just to kind of show their disdain for how we are as Americans? I mean, the, the, uh, the, the world looks at the West as like, we are the ones who bring all this debauchery and all this craziness, right? That's just kind of the framework. If you, you travel all over the place, right, you, you get that mindset. So, so I'm saying, I'm trying to separate from right at this point, not talking Christianity, just talking the world in general. So if you're an, a gay person... And now you realize, man, this is wrong because obviously the Bible tells us it's wrong. And, and as a gay person, even if you don't read the Bible, because I'm, I'm sure the Bible, because I think the Bible is, an, is, is a, a commentary on how our hearts feel, even when we don't acknowledge it or not. So I'm proposing that the unbeliever who doesn't even know God initially knows, man, this is not right. And the world tells you it's not right. Guess what you feel? You feel shame. And what I'm trying to do is paint a picture for our brothers and sisters who are gay. So you feel shame. You feel like, man, I, I'm like this. The world doesn't like that I'm like this. So something must be wrong with me. Okay? They either, you either get depressed because the world doesn't like you, right? Or you think the world doesn't like you, the perception. Or you glory in it, Romans 1. You say, well, this is who I am. Right? And because and, that's why even I think of gay rights and I think of, man, well, it's, it's one of the only areas that the Bible says it's sin and yet we kind of throw a parade for it. That's the issue of glory in it, in it. Right? So the person, so you go throughout history and you're continually feeling like who you are as a person is shameful. Does that make sense what I'm trying to? Okay, so just, just, you're going through history and you're feeling like who you are is shameful. And so what it seems to have happened in history is that individuals have overcompensated and you have different camps. But what's happened in our history here is overcompensation is glorying in it. Okay. That's just the world. So the world has already indicted you. But then we, as the Christians, we have good truth here. I mean, and I'll read a few things. We, in Genesis 1, 27 and 28, would say, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish and over the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Right? And, 
And so we start to see the reality of our conclusions being that the Bible says man and woman were created for marriage. That's what marriage is. You can go on to other verses. You see, basically, you guys can read this on your own time just for the sake of time. You see, basically, uh, the, gospel, the gospel marriage here. And so we, so now you as a person, you're gay, and now you get these verses popped on you because it's, you know, and I'm, it's not a bad thing. These are truth. This is truth here. But I'm trying to pr- provide the mindset of the perception of maybe people who are in a homosexual framework and are feeling like the world is saying who you are is shameful. And then we as Christians are proposing, instead, we want to serve, but we, he, we have this issue of you're feeling shameful, and now we shame you with, hey, look what the Bible says, get it together. Okay? Now, I'm not saying we're bad. That's, hey, this is truth, and you know I'm a man of truth. But I am asking what's most helpful. And I want to, propi- I want to propose a, a, a framework that's really helped me as I was uh, just reading and listening to sermons and things of that sort. So this is the great Christian marriage here. Keep going, please. Leviticus, very clearly, you shall not lie with a male as a woman. It is an abomination. If a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their their blood is upon them. Continue to go on, please. Matthew's really clear again about the concept of like what is marriage. Keep going, please. Mishael, Sodom, and Gomorrah, uh, talking about don't do the wicked acts of having sex with other men. Continue to keep going. Same thing in Judges. Continue to keep going. Corinthians 6, I believe, 9 through 11. Again, you see what God is saying very clearly about homosexuals. Um, or do you not know that the unrighteousness will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be perceived, deceived, neither the sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. So you see, God has given you this reality of all these sins. And we're going to talk about that journey in a moment. But again, we, you see the reality of what the Bible is saying. And now you're a homosexual. Based on that, in addition to how the world perceives you for many, many, many years, the question is, what is the result? Does that make sense? What is the result? We're saying clearly, Bible says marriage is between a man and woman. That's right. That's biblical. We're saying that a homosexual who's engaged in homosexual practices are practicing sin. It's clear in the scriptures. But a sin, we would say that you can be washed clean from, which we'll talk about in a moment. But what I want to propose, so now you're a homosexual. That's the, that's the world you live in. That's the, that's the water you swim in. I think it's important for us to think through that and understand that as we want to serve our brothers and sisters who are practicing homosexuals. I mean, well, people who are practicing homosexuals and our brothers and sisters who are struggling with the same gender attraction, but they're really struggling. I think we've got to pause and think about that. If this is your struggle, I'm proposing, I'm sure there's a sense of shame. Or you kind of cloak it and you just ball out. You know, All right, well, I'm just going to do my thing. Because you don't want to have to wrestle with having a shame. So you're going to say, well, I'm just going to glory in it. Right? And then here's what, here's what happens. I would propose the result of, those, of, the, of that backdrop is a couple of things. Then homosexuals begin to have the perceptions of Christians uh, that we, in essence, because of these verses, because of what the culture says, that we are a danger, and notice this, to their identity. 
Okay? So, so, no long, so now it's, not, it's about what you're trying to change who I am. Right? It's an identity issue. Okay? And so what does that look like? It looks like whether we say it or not, sometimes we can actually make. I don't know, you, you, do you have any homosexual friends? Do you connect with your homosexual friends? You either feel like this. You either feel like you can say nothing. You just got to hang out with them and, and kick it because I have homosexual friends. I have a guy. I have, well, I have I know some practicing homosexuals. I have a, a couple of friends who are same gender attraction and they're fighting hard. And what happens a lot of times is I either, you either say nothing, right? Or it comes off and maybe sometimes we feel that the goal is to make them heterosexual. You hear me there? And I want to propose to you that's not the goal. And I think we either think, man, I don't know what to say, or hey, man, you, man, you know what? I, was it from birth? I mean, really, it was because your uncle raped you, right? So, hey, man, if you just kind of like believe God and renew your mind and like renew the, and get the lies out of your belief system and, you know, hang around, shake people and, and go to Exodus and do all these things, you, you, you know, eventually you won't feel those urges and get married. It's going to be awesome. And what we're saying, I'm proposing intuitively is, man, you're not ready. You're, you're, you're not fixed until you stop thinking like that. Or until you at least start practicing the opposite. Now, I'm not saying you practice homosexuality. I'm proposing that the goal is holiness. That means you might struggle to the day you die and have those urges like crazy and keep choosing Jesus. Because he is of the greater glory, right? So either you, your homo, either homosexuals' goals, hetero, I mean heterosexuals' goals, we, we would say homosexuals' goals are to be heterosexual, or the person just kind of feels like, man, I'm just damaged goods, I'm just jacked up, or the um, or the unbeliever or the, the 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 homosexual person thinks, man, to to live a life that you want me to live, to be who you want me to be, means I'm going to have to miss out on many of the areas of life that seem to be so grandiose, seem to be so awesome. Let me, let me paint another picture. Um, uh, I agree with this brother. He was talking about it in one of his talks. Uh, one of, um, he was saying one of the major, you know, when I think of, man, the moments in my life that brought me the most joy, you know, um, like figuring out my Christian journey and realizing I was a believer. It's like, man, I'm really am a believer. You know, um, as I begin to seek God, my marriage, Mary and Sarah, and the birth of each of my kids, right? Like those, those are the moments where, you know, I just remember the first time we had our first kids, Connor and Joe, and I remember just being like, what just happened? Like, oh my goodness, like we are parents, you know? And it's one of those moments you just can't really articulate you know, and even marriage, you know, you're up there and I, you know, I talk for a living and I'm up there and I barely could talk to her. I was so nervous because I'm, I'm giving my life to this woman, you know, and I'm just like, and I remember I said, I said, with this wing and, you know, I be wed. And she was like, did you say wing? I was like, I said wing, you know, <laughs> and I was so nervous because I was I'm mad, I'm madly in love with this girl. I'm sitting all my, I'm just like, oh my goodness, I'm about to do this, you know, but you know what though? The homosexual person is not stupid. And they also know that, man, they, that, that culture, what they're asking me to do, they're asking me maybe to never get married. 
They're asking me, man, to maybe never have a child. They're asking me, and you fill in the blank of all the things that a person would have to give up because of their choice for holiness. I'm not saying it's bad or right. I'm just proposing, man, this is, this is hard for our homosexual brothers, uh, brothers and sisters. When I say brothers and sisters, people who are fighting and not wanting to practice and, and homosexuals who are practicing. I just want to provide, provide some sense of compassion and like, hey, guys, this is super difficult, right? Um, so with all that said, you have shame upon shame, in my opinion. We're not trying it. It's a perception. You know, I just had a guy totally misunderstand me yesterday, you know, but sometimes you get misunderstood. But this is the, re- this is the reality for many homosexuals. Now, so then if that's the case, I think because that is the case in many, in many instances, I personally believe the discussion of origins is unhelpful. Personally, I think when we start arguing with homosexuals about, you know, did they always feel like they were homosexual or was it, did it come from an, an incident and all this stuff? The, the science of it all, to me personally, is unhelpful if, we're, if this is the reality. God, I don't think we have the moral platform to start talking science. Not saying we veer from scripture. I'm talking about the science piece. I also think it's kind of unhelpful to determine, you know, a lot of times I've, I've talked to Christians where this actually happened to a good friend of mine. We're talking about the, the, the sin of homosexuality. And he was like, well, but, but it is more unnatural. I'm like, okay, the Bible says it's unnatural for sure. But I think that's unhelpful to say, hey, you know, yeah, there's all these sins. I know it's in that paragraph, but yours is really unnatural. Right? I just think that's unhelpful. It's, it might be true, but it's unhelpful. Like, how does that, why, what does that even matter when we're talking about don't do it anyway, <laughs> right? You ain't supposed to cover it. You ain't supposed to be homosexual. Like, like why, why do we, what, yeah, what is, what's the goal there? You know, so I personally would say that's unhelpful. And my goal here is to talk about the framework, build some compassion. And now just talk about the journey of, of, of what are you doing in the midst of the struggle? Okay. Y'all still with me? Okay. We're about to hit the scriptures now. Um, I want to propose that we as Christians, our aim actually should be to provide a redemptive conversation. All right. And, and the redemptive conversation seems to me to be really clear when we talk about the issue of brokenness that we brought up in Romans 8 and also Romans 1. When we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. Okay, guys, look at this passage with me. And look what the scriptures say. 1 through 10, I believe, actually. It's not 1 through 12. It's 1 through 10. You ready? Because this is important. If you don't miss, I, want you to, I don't want you to miss this exegesis part. Okay, we're hitting the word now, so I want you to make sure you, hit this, you understand the exegesis here. Look what's happening here. Because the question is, what is the homosexual to do then, Eric? If you're saying, man, they got a bad rap. It's so hard. This thing is almost like anatomically connected to them. They, it, it is an issue of identity. Well, what do you do? What do you say? What do, you, what we do, what do we do with culture? Right? What do we do? Well, I want to propose, it seems right here, a really cool snapshot of what's really going on. Let me read it to you. Then we're going to parse it out, and then hopefully um, it'll make some sense. It says in verse 
In verse 1, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. It's Paul talking. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up uh, to the third heaven. I'm reading this. This is for context. Uh, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. This is Paul just saying, hey, man, y'all think you're all that as super apostles. I'm actually awesome. God has done all this stuff in my life. I know people you don't know. I know guys who have been in, the, you know, in heaven and seen things and know things that you have never even fathom and he's like man I shouldn't be boasting like this but I'm doing it to humble you guys because you guys think you're awesome actually I'm the true apostle that's the context here Paul trying to level the playing field okay guys he says in verse 3 and I know that this man was caught up into paradise whether in the body or out of the body I don't know Uh, God knows and he heard things that cannot be told which many may not utter I'm sorry which man may not utter Verse five, on behalf of this man, I will boast, but not, but on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weakness. He's like, so what I did, even though I'm awesome, I got all these stories and I've written 12 books of the Bible. I'm not going to talk about me, but I'm going to let you know I'm so tight. I know people who are tight, right? But I ain't going to talk about me though, so I can stay humble. And he says, but listen, I want to just talk about my weakness. And look what he does here. Don't miss this. Verse six. Though, if I should uh, wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. Verse 7, so to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh. He says, so to keep me from being arrogant and prideful because of all the stuff that I've experienced in ministry, right? What God has done in my life, you see what he says here? A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. That's an apposition, a grammatical deal when you say the same thing in a different way, right? So he could have just said uh, a messenger for Satan was, was brought to harass me. And it would have been the same thing as saying a thorn in the flesh, okay? Um, to keep me from becoming conceited. That's the reason. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in, in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, I am strong. Guys. Don't forget this passage, okay? Look what he's doing here. Look at Paul's struggle. Oh, verse 7. Let's, talk, let's just do some observation. So Paul's struggle, whatever it is, and, and, and historians, there's a hundred reasons why people think Paul's struggle, what Paul's struggle was. Hey, guess what? No one knows what Paul's struggle was. No one knows what Paul's struggle was. But here's what we know. We know that the struggle, whatever it was, Kept him humble, verse 7. Can you pop it back up? Yeah, you got the right. We see it keeps him humble in verse 7. It was in the flesh, right? And it harassed him. So it was physical. It was something that, that made him, man, emotional. It was something that he, he was frustrated by. Guess what? Verse 8, the scripture says he begged Jesus not to have it, right? He says he pleaded to the Lord, take this away from me. Take this away from me. Take this away from me. Right? And we know that the struggle he had was continuous from the text. Those are just observations. 
You see that? Whatever the struggle was, it was a serious struggle. It, it, was, it, was, it was something that was, emo- it was physical. There was something, it was in his flesh. It was something that harassed him. It stayed before him. It, he begged not to have it. It was continuous. Now, why do I bring that up? Because what you see here is he doesn't name the struggle. In Romans 8, God doesn't tell us what all our brokennesses are. See, the thing in the room here, here's what we all do. We all play kind of monopoly with our struggles, right? We, we, trump, we try to trump each other. And we try to say, okay, so you struggle with anger, um, but I'm glad I don't struggle with adultery, <laughs> right? Well, you struggle with adultery, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> but I mean, you, you, and you, th- you, you throw one, you throw another, and we, and we find ourselves trying to say, well, I hope I'm okay. I'm not an alcoholic. I didn't kill somebody. I didn't. And we all have all kinds of struggles because guess what, family? We're all broken. And what's so beautiful about this passage is it does not give you the opportunity to try to determine what Paul's brokenness is. You know why? So that you can compare yours with his. You can't compare yours because that's not God's point. God's point isn't for you and me to say, well, I'm going to judge if Paul's is better than mine because if not, then I don't have to listen to the scripture. You see that? But see, everybody has to listen to the scripture. Guess what? Even homosexuals. Because guess what homosexuality is as we read the text, as we understand scripture as Christians, it is another reality of our brokenness. And what God is saying through Paul is that he totally affirms that the world is hard. He totally affirms that some of us are walking around, if we're honest, if we're honest about our thorns. See, that's the one thing, if I can take a commercial break. See, homosexuals have their thorns just out there for everybody to see, and it's hard. But we have learned to hide many of our thorns. We have learned to, to put stuff on them and make them numb and, and to just act like it's not there, but they really are. And so the real reality here, I'm proposing, I've always said this as our church, is that, man, when we provide a plausible place for a homosexual to realize you got a thorn, I got a thorn. And when they see that, I think that you'll see them raising their hand and smile going, I struggle with this. And that's okay because you just, you, you're just crazy as me. You just got another thorn. But I'm proposing because they don't see that. They don't see a people of God saying, here's my thorn. Here's what I want to do. I want to cheat on my wife. I want to cheat on my husband. But but God's grace, every day I don't. I go to the the, the airport and I have to cover my eyes. Or I want to cheat on my taxes. Or I want to be conniving. I want to worship money. But man, today God gave me the grace not to worship money. Or I want to, this guy hurt me in a relationship. Or this girl hurt me in a relationship. And actually, I want to kill him. But God gave me the grace not to just wild out and shoot him. We don't like to talk like that. We don't want to be honest about the thorns in our flesh and the brokenness in our lives. And so homosexuals are going, I can't go to that community because, man, they don't struggle like me. But we do if we're honest. We do. And so a dear friend of mine, Chris, um, 
I, I, we, we, I've seen this played out practically. Here's a brother who's for years is like, Eric, I'm hurt, man. I, I want to have a relationship. I've tried to date women for years. This is not working out. I just dated this other girl. didn't work out. I like dudes, man. I don't know what to do. I want to love Jesus, but this thing is hard, Eric. Help me. Give me some counsel. What do I do? Do I just keep? I'm just going to keep having this absence, this void, this thorn. This Satan harassing me for my whole life. Eric, really? I've begged God to take it away. Help me, Eric. What, what do we do? What is God asking me to do? I, Lord, please. He's saying, I'll, give me another sin. I'll take another one. Please. You know, I, none of you know this. How, how old was Brett was when, he, when he died? How old was Brett? 23? You know, I, I didn't ask, talk, they, these guys, touched, their, their son died when he was 23 years old. One of my dearest friends, I had an opportunity to disciple him, you know. And, um, you know, we always want to compare our wounds, you know. And you think about it, you know, we, you, know you think the homosexual, is, man, I'm struggling, I'm struggling. You know what? I wonder... If these guys would say, you know what, I would love the struggle of homosexuality if you allow my son not to get blown up in Afghanistan. I wonder if they would say, give me the struggle. I'll take it. I'll struggle with homosexuality and give me my son back. But guess what? That's been their struggle. When their son died, I was in Africa and I got these emails and I see everybody saying, oh, we're so sorry for Brett. And I'm in Africa going, what do you mean you're sorry for Brett? What happened to Brett? Sorry. And I. Um. And I find out that he's been killed. He was, um, he was in, he was in, he was in the army and he was killed. And he was, um, in Afghanistan trying to, um, serve his country and make money to go to college. And he was going to get married um, that coming November. He's going to get married in November. You know, the guy would love the Lord. But all I'm saying is you don't think, I remember for years watching this guy, just wondering, Eric, man, I I don't know if, Really struggling, like, how am I going to walk with God now? You know? Guess what? God's grace is sufficient. We all have thorns. We all have struggles. There's all kind of areas in our life that remind us that we are saying, Mary, now the Lord Jesus come. And I want to propose to you, my Christian brothers and sisters, with those struggles, with those thorns, what you don't do, you don't change God's mandates. You don't glory in it. You, you, you hold on and you say, Lord, I want to be holy. Uh, the guy, he, he, he dates, dates some dudes. I think he's dating somebody right now, but he's struggling. I, I'm, I'm praying he'll come back, and, but it's hard. You know what? What was God's response? You got the thorn, 
Paul's, I want to serve you. I mean, why, why, why would God, like, why would God would just say, hey, man, well, you're, you're a great Christian. You know, let me take this away from you so you can be more freed up to honor God. Right? Whatever that means. Didn't happen. He says, take it away from me, Lord. And guess what the Lord said to Paul? The greatest theologian in, in New Testament history. The greatest theologian. What did, what did God say to Paul? He said, no. Take it away from me, Paul. I mean, Jesus, take it away from me. Free me up. And Jesus says, no, I'm not going to take it away from you. And what does Paul say? Paul says, I want to give you a little commentary on why God did that. Because God wanted me to stay humble. Right? The conceitedness. So God, it seems in the scriptures, is saying the thorn you have in your flesh is so that you will never think you all that. Because you will remember, I got this issue. I know ain't all that. Because, man, every day by God's grace, I'm not practicing this. I'm not doing this. I'm not going, I'm not giving in to the harassment of Satan. You hear me, family? This is Paul. Paul's saying, people look at Paul, man, you're awesome. You're awesome. And Paul has his head down like, only if you knew, brother. Only if you knew. Only if you knew my thorn. That's what the scriptures say, right, guys? See, I want to provide a plea to us that the gospel-centered goal is worship seen in us choosing holiness. That's that's the goal. The goal isn't to become heterosexual. I'm proposing the goal for the homosexual is to say, man, I got a thorn. It's for us to all agree on our sin and say, but God, give me the grace to, to choose you, to choose you, to not try to make them something, something else. But to choose God. And here's the deal. Look what it says toward the end of the passage, guys. You see what it says there? It says, verse 10. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with... Look at what you get. Names all these weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. You see his point there? His point there is, man, there's a lot of stuff in our life. Everyone in this room, if, if God was to put a chalkboard up and we was to see your real issue... Your real issue, we all high and all that stuff. I know y'all crazy because I'm crazy. If we see your real issue, wouldn't that be an interesting prayer, praise, and confession time? And he says here, contentment. See what he's saying there? Here's, so you go, Eric, well, what's, the, what's the answer to that? What's the answer to the, the person who can't get, won't ever get married? Right? Even, man, think about it. The single person, we have a dear friend. You know, she's going to enter into her 40s, Melissa Mackey. She's awesome. Great woman of God. You know? And she has a desire to get married. It's not an idol. It's a desire. And for whatever reason, at this point, God has said no. You know? See, all of us in our life have areas. See, see, the world tells you Fulfill every desire, right? The world tells you do whatever you got to do to make sure you feel like you fill up all the holes before you die and become worm food, right? That's what the world tells you. God says, look, I, it's, there's something about the beauty and the worship of Christ when you say, man, there's something I really love, but man, if it goes against your plan, I won't do it. There's something that's cool about that kind of allegiance that has joy, that builds sanctification, that builds perspective. 
See, so the Christian life, the thing about it is that the Christian life goes against the flesh in many ways. And so actually experiencing Bible-centered, gospel-centered, Holy Spirit-filled Christianity, there's a lot of things you choose not to do that you actually want to do. Or am I just the only nutball up here? But because we love Jesus... We say, Lord, I'm going to try, by God's grace, go 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years and ask that you would allow me not to what? Galatians 5, gratify the desires of the flesh for the sake of knowing Christ. We ain't trying to change homosexuals, please. That's not the goal. The goal is Christ. Just like the goal is Christ for you in the midst of your thorn. Are you hearing me, church? To obey is to live a life that honors Christ. Look what he does here. I love how he, he, he likens his strength in our weaknesses. I love that he's like, in this one here, I'm not going to take it away, but I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you the power and grace sufficient. The word is like enough. I've get, I provided it's, the sense of like, hey, you, I'm not going to take it away from you, but I'm going to give you enough to make it on through, right? I'm going to help you through it. I'm going to carry you. I'm going to work with you. But you're going to have to go through it. And many of us who spend our lives, including myself, trying to figure out ways, how do I set the deck where I don't have to go through that? But I can do, I get the goal without the journey. I don't want the journey. I want all the good stuff, Right? You know, that's how we are, right? You get lucky charms, you want to eat the marshmallows, you know? Don't give me all that. So, and then this is more, you know, this is a little more academic, and I'm, I'm just trying to know it's not like a, an exegetical talk, but I hope you hear my heart here, guys. So, what is life together? Life together is that we can't fix broken people, guys. I mean, we can't even fix ourselves. And so the cool thing is that God is saying in that text there, what a, what a liberating passage for you and me today. What a liberating passage to see Paul say, there was something in my life, guys, that I didn't tell you about that plagued me my whole life. And I begged God to take it away, and he didn't. And guess what? God was glorified by it. See, See, now sometimes in, we can think the goal is no more, no more sin. Don't sin. The goal is always Christ, holiness. And that's why I told that dude, it ain't about you falling here. and, and you didn't, man, It's about you're fighting, brother. You're, tr- you're seeking God and you're asking God for grace and you're, you're trusting Christ. I talked about that, co- that college student back in the day. See, some of us need to hear that. Some of us need to hear that there's fresh grace daily in here right now. You've given up and felt like, man, but this is the 5,000th time I've struggled. The same thing? God can't be that gracious. He can. Let me just recap. I'm convinced when we show an environment where everybody has a thorn in the flesh... 
when we really show that, you know, I, I had a sister. I told you that once. She, she sent me a, I think she either, I forget, she came to me or he wrote me a, I think she came to wrote me a letter. I forget which one, but I got word from my sister. She was like, look, I'm kind of tired of sharing my prayer requests because I feel like I bear my soul. And then people talking about pray for my uncle, you know? And she's like, that, that, isn't that real though? You, you put yourself out there. You know, you're like, oh, y'all want to do community? Oh, cool, we're going to do community? Oh, we're going to be, like, real, right? We're going to keep it real? We're going to be, like, praying for each other and talking about our sin? Cool. And then you write your whole paragraph down about your porn addiction and your masturbation. You know what I'm saying? And then the next you're talking about, you know, pray I have a good football game. And you're like, really? That's your struggle? Now, am I saying that we're all always hanging off the cliff? No. What I am saying is I know we're all human. Right. And the sister said, hey, I'm just trying to understand, like, do you want me to be, are we, we bearing ourselves? What are we doing here? We're doing community? <laughs> you know, I thought that was a good word. That was a good word. I don't think, again, I don't think the goal is just to kind of overshare, but I think there's something about within the community where people go, man, those guys are really struggling with some stuff and they're fighting. So see that the difference here, the, the, the culture wants to evangelize you and me and say, hey, yeah, keep it, keep it isolated and then we'll keep evangelizing you. You'll feel bad about this segment of society and you'll start actually giving prey to it and start not being fair about what the scriptures say. No, we're going to say homosexuality is wrong. It's sinful. It doesn't honor God. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't provide the design that God has made men and women. But guess what? So is covetousness. And go down the list. And now, what does it look like, 2 Corinthians 1, 12, to live a life with a thorn? Our recap, historically homosexuals, I feel like hid from brokenness, either hide from brokenness or glory in it. Uh, the homosexual's perception of Christians is we are a danger to their identity uh, because of what their perception is and what they've seen historically. Because uh, the world has just kind of said, we give up, right? Come on, come hang out. And we're the only ones now still talking about it's wrong. And providing that Christians should aim to provide a redemptive conversation uh, by helping a, a homosexual realize your identity is not in your sexuality. That's not where your identity is. But actually, we want to reclaim your identity that is in Christ. Put your identity in Christ, not in your sexuality. Which shows itself that when we all re- realize and admit that we're broken, the goal is Christ. That God's grace is enough. Um, think about it. We're going to have a time next week, not next week, uh, week after next, where we're going to have a question time. All questions are game, question and answer time. And my prayer is that you are, my goal is for you to go, okay, biblically, that's what the Bible says. Man, hopefully that gives me some tools on how to engage um, broken people, specifically the homosexual camp. And wow, a little compassion. It must be hard having those struggles, but remembering we're all broken. Uh, it's hard. We're going to do tithe and offering right now. Um, and then we're going to do a time of communion. Uh, I'm going to pray for us. My prayer is um, that God would just allow us to be a people who are aware of our own brokenness and our compassion toward those who are broken, but that we don't, in that compassion, thwart God's truth or fear man over God.
If you are new to this church, we ask you to keep your wallets to your side and your purses down.